0: i'm gonna eat this cookie while we start because mm, 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 mm. okay queen um
1: okay um... all right alexi if you want to go ahead or um i can go ahead if you want
2: but uh i'll go ahead i think i have a concept in mind but i might okay, be cool. the first time around no that's okay okay hi guys welcome to nymphed alumni today i'm here with biz and sam and we're gonna take you on a journey through time. And I just want you to imagine a world before Instagram had stories and these so-called stories lived in a completely different place on your phone. You would go there and you'd be plunged into this world of dog filters. You would tap on someone's little bitmoji and you would see a haul of some 2 Faced palettes and Kylie lip kits or someone lip syncing to one dance. You would see a smiling devil emoji everywhere you went. You would see a lot of warm toned makeup. You would hear EDM drops in every song on the radio and this was, um... (laughs) I don't know how to continue that. Was that good?
1: Yeah, it was, was like good. a guided meditation. You know, like
2: <laughs> yeah. guided meditation. I'm in my like <laughs> this American life era. Yeah.
1: They really just looked super NPR. It was great. <laughs> like, I don't know why.
2: Yeah. Um, so we are meditating on the golden age of Snapchat and the period between like 2015 to 2017, would we
1: say? 2018 I think 2018. we're going to date this like 2015 to 2018 but yeah we've we've done this the snapocalypse um yeah. and this is kind of inspired by a trend that we've I'm sure all of you have seen uh like on tiktok or twitter instagram and people are saying the summer of 2016 had the best vibes ever and the potentially summer of 2022 could have summer of 2016 vibes um
0: so and we decided to kind people of people are
1: making all these mashups of the songs, and mm-hmm. I think that I
0: think that's the number one thing people are doing. It's, it's like their music, they're remembering the time. Yeah, it's a catalyst. Anyway, sorry, Sam, go on.
1: Oh no, no, you're you're totally right because um, that was something that I think I, I did kind of like a soft poll, as I tend to do with episodes like this, with the people in my life, and asked them what they remembered about 2016. And most of them said Snapchat first, and then music, more specifically, Drake second. So I think those two things are the most memorable parts of this era. And we're not really going to focus on 2016 specifically, because I think that it was like a period that was growing in early 2015. Yeah. Um, yeah, I
0: would say 2016, the way people are actually remembering 2015, but calling it 2016. Mm -hmm. in my opinion for example like drake hotline bling came out in fall of 2015 so yeah but one
2: dance and work came out in the same summer of 2016 Mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure and that was like a very global village moment yes yeah
0: the whole drake single economy was giving was feeding us so much like i personally think that Hotline Bling, when that came out in fall of 2015, that's like the last time I remember unified culture. Like just walking around and everyone was somehow on the beat of that song. And when it would come on, everyone would be so happy. And Hotline Bling was affecting aesthetics so much with the like James Terrell light gradients. And I don't know, it was really nice, I think.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of my thesis of this episode, I think. I thought really hard about this for like no reason at all it just kind of drove me a little crazy and i think that the for reason some reason is that you're
0: super smart oh <laughs> stop
1: it well i i like oh, what was i gonna say i'm like super brain fried right now but okay yeah the, my thesis for this episode is kind of that the snapocalypse accelerated the process of digital glo- globalization to kind of like almost near completion and People like Drake and people like Rihanna and their music, they kind of exemplify this and we're going to give a lot of examples throughout the episode that kind of point back to this thesis, I guess, but like prior to this era, trends in po- popular culture were kind of slightly more insular. They weren't as entrenched in social media and social media was a tool that was mostly used by young people. And like for some reason at the advent of Snapchat, a massive rise in social media literacy kind of happened simultaneously. And for also, I think just because of the global nature of social media, how it, it's hyper-connected all across the world, not just in the West. Globalization eroded some of its like more westernizing components and had more like um, global components to it. I think also the interface of the Snap Map. At first, I feel like that
2: feature started out really localized. You could see where people in your town were, but then you could zoom out to the whole world, go to any city and watch this global story, and it was kind of shocking how the vibe was the same everywhere. I think Snapchat was this equalizer because the things that people found interesting or like Snap-worthy were the same anywhere you went. You would go to Yemen and people would be like, hey, getting lit tonight. <laughs> like, no, just yeah. people like turning up and um, girls doing makeup and lip syncing.
1: That is Something that I find really interesting too, because out of curiosity while researching this episode, I like logged onto the snap map and I was on there for like an hour, so I feel like I got a pretty good sample for this number. But for some reason, one out of seven stories contains Swing by Ray Sremmerd. And that, that is just like a song that really d- defined this era. And I don't know if it's because it's deeply intertwined to song with Snapchat itself, or because like the genre of music kind of earthy the anthems of globalized culture, but it kind of does, does seem like both. It's funny that that's still kind of the vibe of globalism, like that sort of 2016 Snapocalypse vibe, you know? Mm-hmm. Wait, so snap-o- is there like, Snapocalypse? <laughs> because
0: I didn't come up with that word. It was one of these lovely ladies. And is it <laughs> mean that everyone was on Snapchat? Or does it mean when Snapchat stopped being the dominant social media? I, I think, think it's-, it's when everyone was on it
1: okay right yeah so i made it like, up
2: but
1: i think sn- yeah yeah lexi coined it and i knew exactly what she meant whenever she said that i was like damn wait yeah. okay yes but,
2: like i guess there was nothing really apocalyptic about it
0: <laughs> yeah because i was yeah. like i thought it meant when everyone went off but it's a beautiful word by a beautiful girl and it it's perfectly <laughs> done so
2: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I wanna talk about the everyone is like reflecting on the summer of twenty sixteen with that TikTok audio that's like, it was the end of the sixties, the late sixties, the like Sharon Tate clip. And I wanna talk about the emotional state of the world around that time. There was the joyfulness, but there was also this deviousness that was an undercurrent of culture. People like Joanne the Scammer and I feel like There was also a weird kind of battle of the sexes vibe because culture was really heterosexual, but it was also being influenced by like RuPaul's Drag Race so much that everyone was kind of shady and like had beef with each other and people were catfishing and finessing and texting three people at the same time. So there's just this general air of pettiness and deceit, but it was also very like joyful. I think this is when people still felt like the internet wasn't real life yet.
0: Mhm. I agree with that. I also you know the lyric by Drake started going out and where is it started going out wearing less more? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then guys that was a big I think that was a big moment in this weird devious heterosexuality because I think guys were like, "Well, wow damn and girls were like that's me but then some girls were like actually this is empowering
2: so yeah drake had a really unique relationship with women where he seemed to like have these women that he was like obsessed with and would keep tabs on and he was implying that he was like online stalking them but he was kind of jealous but also kind of being shady towards them in a way
1: yeah he had like a very pimp mentality you know what i mean and he kind of retains that not as like Brutal as some other Pip mentality things I've seen, but he's definitely, like, he likes having his harem of women and, like, maintaining, like, this, like, entrenching emotional relationship with all of them, which must be exhausting for Drake, honestly, but whenever you talk about the positivity, I think we could maybe touch on some of the trends that happened during this era, because I think that also was, like, a huge part of what this era was about. There was the ice bucket challenge. I feel like I'm dating this 2015 because the ice bucket challenge um, was this viral challenge and sensation where like, I think everyone realized that now everybody is on social media. Like it wasn't just like young people. Now your grandma is we doing your do gym the ice teacher bucket. and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and like the mannequin challenge too, that was like a bunch of high oh. school gym teachers getting their sports teams to do the mannequin challenge on YouTube. <laughs>
2: Yeah, why was there some um, gym teacher focus?
1: <laughs> they always want to be the cool ones, I guess. Yeah, um, they were sling in this era. They were. And also the Pokemon Go thing, I think that is really like the the biggest example of the positivity of this era. Because I do think that this era heralded like a new type of society almost where everything was extremely hyper-connected. And mm-hmm. But I we remember- weren't like
2: bummed out by it yet, you know, I mm-hmm. feel like it was like new and exciting.
1: Exactly. I think every time something new forms within society, there's almost like a utopian positivity about it. So like, I think Pokemon Go was almost like this utopian thing where it was like, oh, this like hyperconnectivity that we have can connect people in this positive, pure way. Nostalgic way as well. Yeah. yeah. Wait, this oh, is making
2: me think that you know Pokemon Go and Snap Maps showed up at the same time, and the location-based services of both of them—it's something that we're super wary of now. And I feel like now people just like share their locations with a few people, but back then, there was less concern for privacy, and the internet seemed like a way to make your real life better because exactly. it was so like grounded in your uh, localization services. I don't know. Right
0: actually I'm in disbelief that like everyone just had their location on their snap map while they were at their
1: house as children like as, I know as, as I literally minors. knew where everyone yeah. in my town
2: lived it was insane
1: no yeah and you would share your snap with like strangers that you would meet randomly and, stuff, yeah. and you could mm-hmm. see them like That's on that was kind of like the most blase thing to give someone
0: you know because yeah. it's like you can't have my phone number like can I get your snap though yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: Yeah. But then at the, you're giving out like way more information by doing that because your location is on.
0: Like um, guys, Snapchat streaks. What's your longest Snapchat streak? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I I, I he has a, a Snapchat streak. That's no. Going for some
2: reason. Oh my god. I wish that I had streaks. I feel like it's kind of something I'd be into, but I don't know when. I guess like sometimes when I was traveling, I I just didn't have time to to streak it up, but. No, dude, people are so insane about them. Like, I remember my friend went on this, like, weird cross-country road trip with, like, this Christian group where they weren't allowed to have their phones, but then they would give them their phones for, like, one minute a day to keep their streaks up.
1: Oh, my God.
2: Yeah. Okay, no, that,
1: because that is super, because I, I personally have not kept up. I deleted Snapchat when this era ended, which I'm dating the end 2018, whenever Kylie Jenner tweeted Like, oh, does nobody else open Snapchat anymore? Is that just me? Like, oh, this is so sad. And then Snapchat, the the market value dropped by literally like $1.3 billion, which is really funny. (laughs) Um, But that's like when I deleted Snapchat because I was like a huge Kylie Jenner fan, which is like a random fact about me. And I was like, oh, if she's not using it, I'm not using it. I don't know why I was like having this mentality, but- um, I was an early Snapchat
0: deleter. I deleted it before the summer of 2016. Is it bad
1: uh, that
2: I, I never deleted? It, I just completely stopped using it.
0: Everyone go snap her. Yeah, you
2: guys should snap me. I have such a cringe username, and I just found out that you're allowed to change them. But I'm kind of conflicted. I'm like,
0: what is it? Is it Drake related?
2: No, it's like a it's like a scene version of my name. I
0: think it's that's like, that's very on the times because of the, like the roaring twenties.
2: Yeah, it was definitely <laughs> it was the end of the sixties. Yeah, um, the 20s. I, I always
0: thought that I thought that quote. On, t- on tiktok but it was the end of the 60s blah blah we were all happy blah 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 i always thought that was Alana del rey like vo but yeah i thought that too i think it's Sharon Day. yeah
2: that's
0: so sad it's
2: a little haunting Yeah, it's actually her.
0: so so sad because she died at the end of the 60s yeah so, wait how, how did that that right <laughs> 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 well then,
2: we'll investigate whatever yeah, um also it- i feel like snapchat was so good at this point at compartmentalizing services now it's totally overblown there are like tv shows on snapchat you're trying to do lives celebrities have special features all this shit they have user-made filters as most places do but they actually did originate stories and it's crazy that every app has them now so it's like very normalized but i remember thinking when instagram adopted stories i was like this is so lame no one's gonna use it we already have our snap stories who's gonna post here and i couldn't have ever imagined how it would turn out because now yeah. it's just like people who use Snapchat seem like really suspicious because it's like, what Like, are you doing on there?
0: You seem like a pedophile if
1: you use yeah. Snapchat.
2: Yeah. Especially because Instagram has like vanish mode and it has the same thing where you can send pictures that expire. Like, what do you fucking need Snapchat for?
1: Exactly. And then you have close friends too, which is like something that Snapchat didn't really have.
2: Yeah. I think they have private stories on Snapchat, but it's like way more complicated. Like you can make multiple private story like channels or
1: something. Oh my god that is so oh yeah that like really yeah Snapchat created a lot of impersonal drama which I think (laughs) is something that we're almost like lacking in society right now and we actually recently went on Default Friends podcast computer room and she said something really interesting that Gossip is almost like something that people were lacking during the pandemic and they used news stories and social issues as a form of gossip. Like it's like a necessary part of society Mm -hmm. and it caused a lot of like social chaos whenever we didn't have interpersonal drama, we had collective drama, you know.
2: But I feel like the drama of this time was so not. It wasn't like super cancel culture vibes. It didn't really have that much of effect. Like people would lose some followers, you know. Mm-hmm. We talked about this in the last episode. The drama between James Charles and Tati Westbrook
1: mm-hmm. that
2: had no legal consequences. It was more of a matter of personal taste of how you think people should act and like how they are as friends. It's not like oh my god, I'm digging into their 20 year history and making like a giant Reddit thread of everything that mm-hmm. they've ever done wrong. Ooh, no yeah. one knew how
0: to use the internet like that yet. Like some mm-hmm. people did, but it just wasn't common practice because this was pre-me too. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Also, just a quick live fact check because I was—we we love research. Was that so? Apparently, that the, we'll link this audio in the show notes, but this audio that's kind of bringing back these twenty six memories that goes. It was the 60s. It was the late 60s. So it was such a time to be alive. It was actually Mia Farrow and she was talking uh, about it in the context of
1: Sharon Tate dying, saying like oh, it was a good time. To touch on some drama aspects, I think it's really good, good to kind of like refresh people's memory on some of the dramas that were started by Snapchat. I remember being very invested in the Kardashians at this time and I was I followed Kylie on Snapchat and I followed Black China on Snapchat. And like one of the things that was like really in, so engrossing was watching the drama between Black China and Rob Kardashian unfold. She would post all these shady things, and everyone was like, oh my gosh, she hates Kylie. And then one day they appeared together at, on Kylie's Snap Story, and she was like, when we've been best friends the whole time or whatever. And then after some time passed, Black China left Rob Kardashian by robbing his house, and Rob snapchatted the whole aftermath of this and was like talking to china and it's this horrible really sad broken man walking around his empty home and stuff this is type of thing this type of uncontrived but chaotic and organic celebrity culture hasn't really been seen until kanye recently went on that instagram tirade against kim oh yeah that was great um, it's just because
2: there are so many levels of middle management of celebrities now. There are so many people trying to prevent that from happening. And also Instagram stories have way more of a formality to me now because there are people mm. that actually plan them and design them. The features uh-huh. of Snapchat were so sparing that you didn't... Like the fucking black bar of text, like it ruined any picture you took. There was no chance of having a always, super like aesthetic...
0: Yeah. I used the black bar to cover up whatever part of my face was ugly that yeah, day. Yeah, same.
1: Yeah, um, I still do that to this day, so... We all do.
0: <laughs> oh, now we have so many filter. options. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah.
2: And you also had to be very, there had to be a lot of brevity because you had one line of text. Like, I think it, it changed in later years, but you really had to be brief with your
1: words. That's true. It was so casual. On uh, Now on Instagram stories, you can literally sometimes, like if someone's going really crazy and they're mental, having like a mental health problem, you will be able to know because their Instagram stories are like, walls and walls and walls of text and you're just like I don't know why I'm like reading this Um, Mm. but to talk about the brevity of Snapchat stories you know we can see only are up for 24 hours and just the idea of Snapchat photos only being around for a few seconds I kind of want to reference this book called Non Things by Byung-Chul Han it's actually not in English yet I was lucky enough to find it in Mexico, and I can read Spanish, so I read it in Spanish. The translation will be released, I think, in about a month. But I kind of tried to summarize it in English for I would the say ladies. Can,
0: consider this a gift, from, yeah. Consider this from a gift to you,
1: yeah. like, and from yeah, a fun little preview to the new byung Chul Han book. And he has a whole chapter on selfies. It's like really amazing, and he talks about Snapchat in there for quite a bit, which is really funny. But um, he. Kind of noticed, I, I don't know if listeners are familiar with Walter Benjamin's art and the mechanical age of reproduction. I'll very briefly surmise the thesis of that book, which is that ph- photography and reproduction removed the aura or uniqueness of art and paintings. Whereas, like before, you had to go to a museum to see this painting. And so it was a very special, unique moment. Once you're able to photograph and replicate it, that specialness, that aura, that uniqueness was sort of removed. And he said, Byung-Chul Han says that the one thing that you could photograph that still retained this like unique aura was a photo of your own face because, you know, your face is unique. And in the age of selfies and in the age of digital photography, Byung-Chul Han says that this is the first time that a photo of oneself does not have aura or uniqueness because digital photography is not according to him, the emanation of an object, it's the elimination of an object because it's digital, it's a non-object. And this is something that's really interesting when it comes to things like Instagram face and Instagram filters and that sort of discourse. And he also says that Snapchat, the fact that like, hold on, let me read this, sorry. He also says that,
0: oh yeah, go ahead. Thought it would be a good tie into. Um, kind of like the monolith of Instagram face which was first being noticed at this time because when you talk about is the word you used eliminating the selfies are wait
1: what did you say about them what's it's yeah the, so like he my translation of this quote which again this is a translation of a translation so do not take this as canon but I kind of translate it as digital photography is not the emanation of an object it's the elimination of an object right so yes this does tie into instagram face because what is instagram face but eliminating all your unique features so that it's easily replicable and resembles a bunch of things it eliminates your human features of pores and texture and face shape you know
0: that's what i was gonna say i was gonna say it eliminates the it's it's inherently ambiguously ethnic
1: so Mm -hmm. you can't
0: tell where someone's from and like you said it's also really replicable.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, I want to get more into beauty like later, but there's also- yeah. I forgot about this book that I read that's very relevant, it's um, called this The Social Photo by Nathan Jurgensen. and he has this part about Snapchat where it's kind of reaffirming what you've just said, Sam. He says, whether an image is self-destructing by design as in services like stra- Snapchat or ephemeral insofar as it simply flows down the expanding feed, rarely to be encountered again, social photography downplays the thingness of the image. The image object becomes a byproduct of communication rather than its focus. Photography is social photography to the degree that its central use is more expressive than informational when the recording of reality is not its own end but a means for communicating an experience. And it exactly. does like always really freak me out the amount of photos that I've taken, just because they are this byproduct of communication, but to think about a time when every single photograph in the world is like a real object is so absurd. There are mm-hmm. also really, like, scary stats that are, like, 90% of the world's data was created in, like, the past three years or something. Yeah.
1: That is so scary. It was um, the past two years, that 90% oh, of the world's data. That's, like, I know. I like, feel so like I'm ugly. 10% of it. <laughs> You're 10% of that, yeah. My snap. Me, me and Biz are five, so yeah. listen to and alumni. Um, <laughs> but, no, that's that's also, that's really funny, too, because I think that instant that temporality of it, Young Chul points out that the origin the first time people really had access to photos of themselves in society was memento Mori's death photography right so it was like a very special object that you had that connected you to this past love this loved one that was past right It was really some sort of documentation of, of something real and that's totally gone right like you photographs have no special moments or have they, they have no uniqueness to them in that they have like sentimentality. They're meant to be deleted after a few seconds. And Byung-Chul says that Snapchat specifically communicates this ethos to society that only the moment counts. And I think this really accounts for like the spirit of 2016 where it was so chaotic. It was very hardy. Like everyone looks back at, at it and they're just like, that was just, we were all just living in the moment. Everything was so lighthearted. Nothing really mattered. Nothing really had consequences. We were all young. Um, and that's really kind of interesting, combining that with the ethos that Young chul Chilhan says about Snapchat, you know? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's very, it's interestingly very, like, anti-nostalgic. And I think that I started gravitating away from Snapchat whenever there was this feature where it would save every single thing that you posted on your story, because I was just like, I'm going to get obsessed with going back and seeing what I was doing. Like, I missed the ephemerality of it all. Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel yeah. about Instagram stories too. There's like the permanent stories that you can have now, or the highlights, or whatever, and that that's not very appealing to me. That's, that's so true. I, wait, have you guys been on Be Real? It's like the new Snapchat. Yeah,
0: I was gonna say. <laughs> so, I definitely go through my story archives a lot for fun, but it's not mm-hmm. a good habit to have. And also, there's this huge boom in this app called sorry, in this app called Be Real, which is an app that as soon as you open it, it takes a photo of. Your front-facing camera and your back-facing camera, and and it's supposed to like capture spont- the spontaneity of of life versus like being a pre-planned thing. Do you guys use I, it?
1: No, I've never heard of this, but that is really interesting. That's even more like to me. That seems so contrived because you have to like get it's in a so situation contrived. where
2: like your front and back-facing camera are like. I don't know, if I were realistically using that, it would be boring as fuck, and I don't want to see that, Well, you know? I was
0: with someone the other day, and on their real, on, on their feed, it was just, like, everyone takes a photo on Saturday morning, and it's, like, them in bed, and that's it. So I think yeah. sometimes it is actually, like, not as contrived, but mm-hmm. you're not taking photos of, like, your toenail fungus, you know? like Yeah.
2: I think I'd have to be seriously interested in someone to ever, like, want to, I don't know...
1: Stockton well, on that. well, that's almost that. But that also kind of that—that that you notice that everyone's just like laying in bed on a Saturday morning. That was almost like one of the aspects of this new globalized, hyperconnected social media world. I think alexi or biz one of you—said this earlier in the episode. Everyone kind of realized that we're all kind of doing the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. even if, like, when you go on the Snap Map, you go anywhere in the world, <laughs> and everyone's just like taking photos of their coffee, you know, and it. You know, I think we haven't really, we've yet to understand what the consequences of of thinning the veneer of contriveness and mystery when it comes to other people's lives and other people's like internal, like subjectivity or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, what those are. Honestly, I haven't really thought about that until right this moment. So I don't have anything interesting to say about it.
0: But There's actually a way more 2016 version of uh, Be Real that's called Glance Back. And it's by this, Artist named Maya man and she just like coded it. And it's via Photo Booth instead, like on a oh, Mac. Yeah. And you can like save a little caption, but it does the same thing of like, oh, I think it takes a photo. That's like the net art version. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I feel like also Photo Booth is very 2016, like iMac or Apple Photo Booth. It is. I was always posting photo booth selfies, so mm-hmm. like you take um, a picture of the photo booth screen with the heart on your phone. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah!
2: Good God, that was a classic. Um, back. I want to mention something else about Snapchat, the continuity of it, and how it's almost like a Kuleshov effect kind of thing, which is this film editing effect that was demonstrated by like a Russian guy in when like film was invented, basically where viewers derive more meaning from the interaction of two sequential shots than a single shot in isolation, which seems kind of obvious now, but, Mm. like, the funniest thing about Snapchat would be, like, you know, someone's, like, going to school today, and then they would be, like, got hit by a bus on the way to school or something. Not that dramatic, but the unexpectedness and spontaneity and the ease with which that people would publicize things in the moment that they happened, was so funny. Like when DJ Khaled mm. got lost on his jet ski, for example.
1: Oh, that
0: was like something
2: else. It's so much funnier to me than live streaming because you're just getting these snippets <laughs> and you're having to like put together in your head, like what's going on between I them. And something know, about like the jump cuts, here. it's like it just always makes me laugh. No, I that's totally really agree
0: with to that. Also the fact that like you don't know which Snapchat's gonna be the last one. So yeah. really- oh, the most yeah. recent example of this was when Julia Fox had her unhinged baby daddy rants. Yes. Oh, because yeah. it was posted to stories, but you also kind of didn't know when it was gonna end. Uh so yeah, getting people hooked to their seats in that way. Wow. The getting lost at sea is a transcendent thing though.
1: That was incredible. That was he really like he is a very special person, and I just want to shout out him and his family, <laughs> and just hope that he's doing well. Because what a what a gem of of popular culture, like yeah. DJ Khaled on Snapchat, that was Wait. amazing.
0: Isn't DJ Khaled on one of my favorite songs that is unforgettable by French Montana, or did I make that up? I'm sure he produced it. I don't think so. Wait. Let's fact check this. No, did I think of... you're right. Wait, I think Alexi's right. It's French Montana and Sway Lee. Oh, yeah. So why did okay. I make this up? Maybe just because they have this it's kind of the same genre of culture. Yeah. It's yeah. all kind
1: of tied together. Uh, definitely. Um, uh, yeah, this time I want
2: to mention that it seemed like black American culture was really popping off at this time, but it was also inflected with Caribbean vibes, like when Drake was pretending to speak Jamaican patois. And when did
0: he do that? That sounds really crazy. Wait, you don't remember this? Well go just go on. Just I'll probably remember it. To but... go on,
2: yeah. And Drake also had a phase where he was speaking Arabic in some of his songs and like calling everyone Habibi. I do remember that. And yeah. Unforgettable is kind of one of these songs that's influenced by Afro beats, I think. Mm-hmm. And then Wild Thoughts was really big that summer too, and that was a kind of like Latin inflected Carlos Santana kind of vibe. The global village was really Full of this music that was world music, but through the lens of black.
0: I love that point because French Montana is from Morocco, so he has like an Arabic name, and also I just feel that Drake is kind of the boy version of Instagram face for girls. Like (laughs) he definitely like kind of has guys like catfishes Drake
2: really easily, like from any ethnicity.
0: no it's true but like the spiritual kind of going between cultures that you're saying is so instagram face because it's inherently ethnically ambiguous do we define instagram face i'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with this this concept but before we get
1: before we get into that i kind of want to just touch on this point that alexi made about black culture becoming this sort of like major driving force in in popular culture, which I think it's really interesting because this like genre of music, I, I kind of like to call Ibiza vibes really started to take off in this era. Someone could probably find a better name for it. But like, I really think that this era is when rap music began to emulate the K-pop model of like universalizing a regional or cultural product. And the model was so successful that pop music began to emulate rap music. Mm-hmm. And it just like really incorporated all of these global cultural inflections into every pop song. Like "Despacito" by Justin Bieber in 2017 was the first song to be mostly in Spanish to top American charts since the "Macarena." And yeah. like, wait, like, that was so major. It was so random. "Daddy Yankee," like, why was "Daddy Yankee" topping American charts? That made no sense. But like, it was just like "Anti" by Rihanna, like, work that was also very yeah. like. And then yeah, like "Don't Mind" by Kent Jones. Y'all remember that? Is like, yeah, I Don't Mind." Wait, yeah, where it's a... like, no, no, it's like um, I'm thinking of the Usher World. It's like "Hola, cómo estás?" She said, said "Con That was really <laughs> Yeah, good. Is, like, yeah. Like it's like super globalist. There's just like so many weird little ambiguous. I mean, I guess it's not ambiguously ethnic, it's, but it's just like multicultural world yes. music. Yeah, but it was
2: so joyous, and I think Death like people were obsessed with it. Even the most whitest of the white Americans loved it because its essence transcended language. Mm
0: -hmm, And it was just, like, so
2: happy. Also, the video for Unforgettable by French Montana, I'm pretty sure is, I don't know if it's in Morocco, but it's definitely shot somewhere in Africa where, like, all of these kids are dancing, and it's just, like a dance circle vibe um, When did
0: yeah. the shakira world cup song come
1: out because no that was like 2008 but she really is or something like that wait
0: but pre- someone tried to convince me the other day that this song came out in, in like 2016 i swear to god
1: i was waka like waka waka
0: yes i was no. like there's certainly no way like, i was barely
2: that I, was like 2010. Yeah,
0: yeah. No. 2010. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. So funny. No. But she did
2: do another world cup I song do. after that. Um. But yeah. No. Wait, Sam. I'm really glad you brought up the Ibiza vibes of it all because EDM had a really strong impact on culture, and this period seemed to have a lot of collaborations between like rappers, EDM producers, and super normal pop people. Very like Selena Gomez, DJ Snake. Collaborating yeah, with like, some, yeah, collaborating with like Two Chains or something. Like every time I turned on the radio, it was such a random mix of people, which I feel like that's not super popular anymore. And celebrities are still trying to make it happen.
1: Yeah, Dua Lipa but... and and Dababy was the weirdest combination because Dababy is like a murderer. You know?
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> like, but I love that song. Like
1: why was he? You no, know, it, it was a really good song, but it was just like <laughs> this era established. If you were a rapper, like you could you could like make so much money if you just like made a pop song. And like, yeah. like, and it was easy because pop music began to emulate like rap music because it was like such a successful model of like universalization. Wait, and globalization. Whenever
2: Kendrick Lamar did a song, he, I think he guessed it on "Bad Blood" by Taylor Swift. I was like, "Your career is literally over." Like, he used to be this guy who like, spoke on black issues, and now like the raps were always really, really bad.
0: Oh yeah,
1: that was. Wait,
2: really guys, guys,
0: funny. We, we actually need to talk about "It's Every Day, Bro" in this moment because oh like people were just rapping. Like, Jake Paul was rapping. <laughs> yeah, like, Logan Dis... Jake Paul was rapping. Dis
2: battles? Like, what are they called? Like, dis- just, like, tracks. weird, like, rap battling. Yes, and dis tracks, yeah. yeah. And beef.
0: Yeah, something... I don't know what gave them the confidence, but I guess it's just because... Like, what do you guys... Uh, I'm glad they channeled we, that into boxing now.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's yeah. so
0: true. It's, like, it's the same sort of like always on beef mentality like you always had to have a beef with someone but -hmm. they went from rapping outside of the team 10 mansion to like beating up big men
1: Yeah. yeah well i think it probably has something to do both with like the reality tv vibes of this era with like the kardashians being kind of like the cultural driving force and reality tv like the basis of it being drama and beef with whoever is in the show and then also like um oh i lost my second point Oh, but well, you guys I was going to say
0: on. that it d- doesn't have something weird to circle back to what we were saying about how like black culture was very much the, f- the center in some ways at this time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Couldn't that have something to do with the Kardashians? Because they were the center of culture as well and they always were, we're doing like, black yeah. culture.
2: That's kind of
0: true. And yeah. they're also yeah. kind of like always
2: having petty beef with each other. Mm-hmm. They were kind of like the bridge between like the social media world and like actual celebrities in my opinion at this time but also i think Mm -hmm. it was like the moda operandi of drag race being shady and like reading each other like everyone was like that at that time yeah but also this whole cottage industry of drama channels became a thing because the way that drama played out on social media was so disjointed someone would post a snap story and then someone would like make a shady comment and like a youtube video and you actually needed someone to string all of these things that were like on all these different platforms into a narrative because if you were like yes. actually keeping up with all of these people at the same time you would have no time Wait, on your hands well why I'll-
0: are they literally oral storytellers they're like archivists storytellers, okay yeah creators. it's oral history it's so good well, yeah. that,
1: that's what McLuhan said about digital media he said it was it was auditory and oral mythology it was not liter- literate and that's also what Byung-Chul Han said about um Uh, Snapchat, he said that digital photography was episodic. It was not historic. So like history requires like a narrative, right? But, and so this narrative is like this all involved literate, logical, consecutive, linear thing, right? That's like, like tries to include as many aspects of reality into the story, even if the story doesn't resemble reality. But digital communication is episodic. There's like so much missing. And McLuhan is always talking about how The best, most engaging media is the media that emphasizes what's missing more than it emphasizes what's included, right? Like, it's like the purloin letter effect. Very, like, a mystery that you can solve is going to be way more engaging like...
0: That makes a lot of sense to me because this... So now it's kind of like a known thing that YouTubers make a lot of clickbait and kind of make fake scenarios for videos. But going back to Jake Paul, he was making all these crazy prank videos, but... It wasn't really a totally confirmed thing that everyone was in on the joke and then afterwards so there's that element of mystery for the viewer but then the episodic kind of piecing together came afterwards when his ex-girlfriend Alyssa violet came forward with allegations against him and then a bunch of members of team 10 said that he was abusive and all of that so it was kind of like a really potent combination of both things you just said sam Exactly. Yeah.
1: Super weird. And this is just the basis of digital media for some reason. And this is still a mystery I've yet to unlock, but um, I will continue to obsess over yeah. it until probably my last breath. But yeah, um,
2: yeah, a lot of those allegations kind of went nowhere, just like fizzled out or became common knowledge. Because it's like when people are working in social media, like what are you going to do, get them fired from their jobs? Like you can't deplatform <laughs> them, like we're addicted to their vibes.
1: It's so true. It's
0: it's okay, true. I'm gonna look up really quickly. Do you guys? Uh, also, I'm gonna go on mute in a second because I want to eat the rest of this cookie. But do you guys remember <laughs> what
1: year um, Logan
0: Paul Suicide Forest was? We can edit this out. But oh, that does, I want to say 2015. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like that really changed something and kind of. Let me just look up
1: real quick. Um, and he really uh, bounced back from that, and he was probably like the last celebrity to bounce back from such a huge.
2: it was 2017 that's crazy Uh, this is that
1: era
0: actually crazy that he posted this in 2017.
1: and this almost this is almost like i feel like that's almost a precursor to the actual dying breath of this era which i think Mm -hmm. is a tide pod challenge because originally like viral challenges in this era they were very pure they were supposed to be like representative of all the positive things that could come from a hyper connectivity like this new era the whole world being watching social media And then when the Tide Pod challenge happened, everyone was like, oh my God, wait, no, social media is evil and bad and like chaotic Zoomer energy is going to like kill people and stuff. So that's really like, it kind of like was a precursor to that panic, you know? Mm -hmm. And the
0: Tide Pod challenge was when... Basically, people wanted to eat Tide Pods because they look like tasty gummy snacks. Correct? Yeah, it yeah, was so like first of Zoomers
2: attack. are all like stimming because they're just like, oh, it's so satisfying. I want to munch on it. Head empty, <laughs> no thoughts. But no one was actually doing it. Like they were just talking about it.
1: Yeah, I know.
2: But then it, it became not- like blown out of proportions and they were like, at least my generation wasn't eating Tide Pods, you know? Yeah. God, yeah. Um, uh, Should we talk about beauty vibes? I feel like this is an easy sequitur because. Yeah. The format that beauty content has changed, in, I feel like it used to be very get ready with me, very conversational, talking to a friend. There was some of the what I call like international u- or universal uh, influencer linguistics where it's like, hey guys, there's a lot of filler words and strange second person voice. But I think of people like Tana Mojo, and I think of her style of beauty content and i feel like beauty content at this time was very like how to turn into a bad bitch in 30 minutes from busted to baddie nikki's tutorials power of beauty challenge where people would do these insane transformations but it's because the style of beauty that was preferred at this time was literally like sticking a mask on your face Mm -hmm. um
1: well, that's something we should really just talk about. Um, we can, Now we can talk about Instagram face, which is we something we should all kind of, we have all kind of been avoided because there's just like so much to be said about this. And Gia Tolentito had this wonderful essay in, was it the New York Times?
0: No, um, it was um, New York
1: Mag or the New, New York, York Magazine or the New, one of those New York ones, but it was kind of, here, let me look up the subtitle for it because it's really good. Um we talked I about it a have good bit this, in, um, yeah
2: uh what was it internet girl physiognomy if you guys want to like, I, yeah, it, like yeah i have
0: this
1: essay like memorized
0: um, yeah because it is so it was the first time anyone was talking about this in this in this way
1: mm-hmm. and yeah, written it, down anyways no it was fantastic and yeah the mm-hmm. subtitle for it was how social media facetune and plastic surgery created a single cyborgian look Beautiful. and she talks about poreless skin plump high cheekbones cat-like eyes long cartoonish lashes And she has this great quote in there, which I really want to touch on, where she says, hold on, let me find it. Is it the Uh, one that you
0: copy and pasted? Because I can read it. Yeah, yeah, you can read it. Yeah. Okay. So this is from Gian Tolentino in Age of Instagram Face. The face is is the, starts with the face is distinctly white, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. The face is distinctly white, but ambiguously ethnic. It suggests a National Geographic composite illustrating what Americans will look like in 2050. If every American of the future were to be a direct descendant of Kim Kardashian West, Bella Hadid, Emily Ratajkowski, and Kendall Jenner. And in parentheses, this is so good. Who looks exactly like Emily Ratajkowski.
1: That was Yay. a really slay. Very, yeah. very slayful sentence there, Gia. Good job. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, it's it's really interesting because that ambiguity ethic thing is something that really has like fascinated me endlessly right because this this was part of the this like social discourse about cultural appropriation was bubbling at this time because everyone was upset that people were overlining their lips and there was a certain there was just like a more ethnic flavor to all of the trends of this time right and i think that cultural appropriation could be one explanation but i think that that's kind of an overly simplistic explanation for what what was really driving this i think honestly I do think that something about the fact that this is like so easily replicable to such a wide range of ethnicities, right? Like Latino, South Asian, North African, Middle Eastern, Southern European, Eastern European. You could just really replicate this space if you were even slightly ethnic in any sense of the word, you know? And I mean, I want to like, you know, I I think it's really interesting because, um, and we can exclude China with this because their closed market creates little to no consumer base for these products. But at this point with this new globalized internet, it sort of privileged a universal market rather than like a demographic market for certain products, right? And I think that, I think really it's just casting the widest net as possible for like a consumer base for beauty, which is like this huge industry now, right? And, and it really is very global village vibes. And I think another association could be like I think in this era, this like new type of wealth signaling really started to take hold. Whereas like before in like old world pre-digital media, true luxury was expressed through like cultural legacy. Like think Rockefeller, Kennedy and how distinctly American those families are and how distinctly historical their brand of luxury is. But in this new world, there's no greater flex than to be a global citizen. The Hamptons are out, Dubai is in. The new luxury is having five passports, speaking three languages study abroad trips, you know, I have one family member who married into this like extremely wealthy family and she sent all of her kids who graduated high school in Mexico to the UK after they graduated so that they could take A levels and attend like any university of in the world really. Like that's really kind of the new type of wealth signaling. That's what like,
0: I'm doing right now actually. Yeah. <laughs> <Business my A-levels, laughs>
1: studying for <laughs> <A-levels>, <laughs> yeah. business. This is taking her A levels um but it is, like, there's no greater flex in the world than to be, like, an ambiguously ethnic girl driving, like, a G-Wagon in athleisure. Yeah. Like, this, like, type of countryless, ambiguous, no roots, no history, just, like, generally world citizen type yeah. thing is has really trumped the classical sense of luxury and wealth, uh, upper-class, high, like, high-class things, you know? Yeah, it was a little bit, like, cultural
2: cringe, too. And I think people, American culture was really reigning supreme, but people had an embarrassment about being American, there was this insane glorification in a lot of music of foreign bitches, and they became, to be dating a foreign woman, quote-unquote, was kind of on the same level as driving a foreign car or wearing foreign clothes. Mm-hmm. And many of these women were birthed from the Video Girl to IG Baddie Pipeline, they were all like light-skinned and had 10 different country flags in their Instagram bio, and mm-hmm. There are so many songs. I want to compile a playlist of songs where they're just like, I'm with a handful of girls and they're also foreign or like, there was this, I feel like there's been a lot of discourse about old versus new money. And, you know, we're seeing this renewed interest in old money as a reaction to the LA influencer, YouTuber, Logomania style that was birthed at this time. But I feel like also a lot of these Takes that critique, new money for being tacky or overdone, overlook the fact that, you know, a house with gilded furniture and swag curtains and like richly embroidered everything is kind of an immigrant dream. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys, there are random rich Indian families in my hometown. Every time I like went to these girls' houses, I was like, this looks like a palace, but it's just like a house (laughs) in the suburbs, you know?
0: Speaking of Drake, it's like the Cheesecake Factory. Like, this aesthetic is so aligned with Cheesecake Factory and Drake. Oh, well, I His relationship with, with cheesecake. cheesecake Factory is yet to be fully explored. He was probably trying to appeal to these exact people we're talking about. Yeah, like, he yeah. wanted a girl of
2: an immigrant family. Also, mm-hmm. on another Wait, note of, like, look. if it ain't and it's boring. like, yeah, Season 4 had this big controversy where they put out a casting call for multiracial models only. So I feel like everyone is trying to align themselves with the future and align themselves with these very interesting girls. And it was just so weird because... I'm very mixed race, but I feel at the time all of my cousins that had previously aligned with just being like black American, they suddenly were putting flags of like every single country that my grandparents were from in their bio. And I was like, I'm sorry, but I'm like not going like, to lay claim to being French right now. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. That's, that's um Megan blue was a really good example of this. She was a yes. model that went viral after she was featured in a Yeezy runway show. And I think she's she's just from Queens. She's not from a different country, but like the name maybe she is. But like she's the name Amina Blue, and then kind of her looking a bit ethnically ambiguous is such a good example of that. I think.
2: Yeah, there was nothing more valuable than
1: being light skinned at this time.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, I kind of want to also say a th- I have a three tiered answer for like Instagram face, and I have this other point where. It's- More mcluhan you know, he always says, of course, like the subtitle to understanding media is extensions of man, right? Technology is an appendage. It fuses itself with our biology. Our biology, our brains, our thought processes have fused themselves with the internet. And like the logic of the internet is very simple. It's a tool of simplified commands. And I feel like digital beauty standards can kind of be condensed by like cut, copy and paste and delete. You know, it's like super weird. Everything is very cyborgian robotic and people's appearances, the idea that emerged at this time is that your personal appearance could be transformed endlessly. Like you could always change the way that you look in order to fit this digital beauty standard. And this is global villagey in this way. Well, Alexi, you made this point when we went on Default Friends podcast. And, you know, I have this like obsession with what I like to call globalized Instagram reels. I'm sure everyone has seen one or two of these Instagram accounts that are like, fashion for girls or something and it's like clearly like a russian run account or something or like somebody from another country speaking like broken english and the caption's always like one two or three or something like that and alexi i don't know if you want to repeat the point you made on there but
2: i'm trying to remember what it was was it just like we've come back around to enjoying this style of content but the things that we like to look at are the things that, if you were a 40 year old woman in a village of 300 people, this is the type of stuff oh, you'd want to see. Like, a really beautiful, dress and cute babies. Exactly.
0: <laughs> did you say, didn't you you say it was like. No, never mind. I was thinking you said something one time about like front porch. Yes,
2: no, that, that's what I was is saying. That it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, that's oh, like... Her baby has such long hair, or like. <laughs> you know, like, did you see like. It's a lot of weddings and like formal occasion posting. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just mm-hmm. like a carousel of women wearing these giant gowns.
1: The so classic kind of... milestones
0: of life. Exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah no, it, it like really in these accounts that I think are very almost infused with the same vibe that this era was infused with, they they, they do privilege features that um, would be privileged in an old world vill- village, like fertile looking women mm-hmm. who have the top notch features for like whatever ethnicity they belong to. And it reminded me of this quote from this anthropologist named Edward Sapir that inspired McLuhan to create the concept of a global village. And he said, he said this in 1923, he said the multiplication of far reaching techniques of communication has two important results. In the first place, it increases the sheer radius of communication so that for certain purposes, the whole civilized world is made the psychological equivalent of a primitive tribe, which I thought was really interesting. Um, And it kind of reminded Alexi your thesis, what was that quote in your thesis about amplification necessitating simplification?
2: Oh, that was like Scott McCloud, who's like an animator, I think.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. um, It really like reminded me of a quote that Alexi has brought up before um, that was something along the lines of how like when something is extremely amplified, simplification is necessitated so i think that's like some food for thought in terms i feel like it like, might be the other way
2: around but it does seem to
1: work both ways oh you're um, right yeah that's a two-way street wait uh, we should talk about eyebrows yes that's that's <laughs> yeah. where i was going with okay this. okay so
2: i like obviously my favorite thing about this era besides music was beauty because it's like hard to overstate how much beauty ran the internet at this time. Like, all of the people with the most followers that weren't, like, already famous were beauty YouTubers. And I don't know why we were so addicted to them. There was, like, a whole dramageddon thing where, like, the whole thing fell apart. But a mm-hmm. lot of these people were former Mac counter employees. They were either queer, like, Jeffree Star, or people of color, like, Manny MUA, like, Jackie Ina. And I think Mac, I would love to talk about this at length, but long story short, I feel like In so many towns, the MAC counter created a safe space for queer people and people of color because they had a very wide shade range. They were like the first brand to accommodate a lot of different skin tones because they had this association with professionalism. And they also kind of supported your career as an artist. They had this certification program that you could do if you were like an employee through them. And I feel like why these people were successful YouTubers is because they spent their day job explaining to moms how to apply makeup. So they already had this sales mode of being able to explain techniques but it's almost
0: like having a good bedside manner or something yes it
2: literally is they are like so professional but then i guess they would like go home and continue to like explore beauty in a way that wasn't just serving other people and was more like a vision of what they want to see i feel like everyone knows what quote-unquote instagram makeup looks like and it also is very globally inflected like the music at the time like Mm -hmm. a lot of makeup artists like huda beauty from the middle east and like nigerian makeup artists who had this very special event full coverage dark strong arched eyebrows that are very ethnic you know full lashes the intense contouring it was like a mix of drag and wedding makeup but this became an expectation for like every day
0: it became well, an expectation for like 15 year olds yeah i like, wore more makeup wore so in high makeup. school than i have ever worn since uh to this day yeah. yeah
1: same no it, it is like I think almost that back counter training did create the sameness and contributed to the sameness of the face as well because if you're like a makeup artist for like the general public kind of have to create a technique that's going to fit every type of face and the best way of doing that is by changing someone's face to look the same right yeah um and Alexi you always point out that Makeup artist face, like MUA face, is aim is to flatten your face down to a single dimension, yeah. and I think that's really interesting because liquid matte lipstick that creates like it really contributes to that like one-dimensional view of it, you know? Yeah, all your features um, are
2: so separate in this style, and I feel like now we have this very like fresh-faced, every product is blending into each other kind of look. But at this point, I guess maybe it's because people were frequently posting, like, close-ups of eye makeup, close-up of, like, mm-hmm. lip- liquid lipstick, and, like, there was still this, like, swatching culture, I guess, where everything was so separate. Like, even the highlight of your cheek was, like, a glowing chunk that was separate from the rest of your face. The maximalism of makeup at this time was so insane to me. Like, every product was so overapplied. You were baking with a ton of powder there were like so many steps to it, and it was like scientific. But everyone was just obviously overthinking it. People talk about it all the time now. They like look
0: back at their brows and they're like, "Why did I think this was okay?" I just this is my one thought on beauty, really, which is one that I wonder if it was so high def because phones were phone cameras were like a lower definition back then. Yeah. So I almost feel like they didn't capture the kind of like natural beauty that people go for post glossier. Mm -hmm. like the front facing camera wasn't that good back then
1: no I think that we need to really emphasize how beauty standards like collective beauty standards change as our technologies change right like it's like super weird like and it is really funny because Alexi you made this point on the document that like self-care is like so such a huge part of our, our culture that like minimalist beauty is almost privileged over like maximalist beauty because it sort of emphasizes like a self-care routine where like your skin is just like naturally good and you're like a hygienic person yeah Um, i've
0: made multiple tiktoks about that concept because beauty is so intertwined with wellness now like the whole clean girl is that girl clean girl aesthetic is like you are so healthy you drink so much green juice that your skin is just glowing and you don't even need to wear makeup you just slick your hair back and like put on some mascara, and everyone just thinks you're the prettiest girl on the avenue. Yeah, the
2: convergence of wellness and beauty does kind of have me fucked up, because, like, It fucks me No up one too. was fooling themselves in this era that, like, doing a cut crease was self-care. You, like, just knew that you were trying to... Like, there was a I... common understanding that, like, tens weren't bored, they were made. Everyone was doing this same I... thing to achieve the same effect.
0: Yeah. And the methods like... were
2: kind of busted. Like, everyone was using, like... I know... I've talked about Tana before, but all of her tutorials were her using like a moldy beauty blender, and she like never washed her brushes. Oh she was applying God. everything with her hands, but the end result always looked so good. Mm-hmm. Like I think of this time, and I think of like a shattered bronzer and like a wet towel that has like a bunch of foundation stains on it.
0: I, it also felt it was like the opposite of self care. It was like yeah, intense, and it took like your so skin got long. so
2: bad because you were wearing yeah. so much makeup. But no, also, was, I think was... you're right about the camera quality thing because I remember like you also just had to stay so ready. When you were Snapchatting people all day, like, my sister and I, like, we would stay at home all day, all summer, but we would, like, do a full beat of makeup, like, come downstairs, eat cereal. My mom would be like, what are you doing? Like, why are you guys so dressed up? Because I think someone's going to Snapchat me. Like, it's such a crazy rush to, like, not be ready and, like, someone Snapchats you and you have to do the most slapdash cartoon version of your makeup because you know it like doesn't have to look good in real life. Wait,
0: that's so true because also being left on red is such a less dramatic thing now. Yeah. But back then, it used to be so much more like painful to be left on red or to leave someone on red. Oh also, yeah. Also, Hannah- The
2: little snapshot arrow that was blank, you
0: know. Hannah feels so important to this because I think a lot of people did kind of feel like they grew up with her.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. I feel like that to a certain degree as well. But also, it's interesting because I keep seeing these edits of Tana Mojo. We're talking about Tana Mojo, by the way, everyone. But yeah. <laughs> um, they're the being like of her when she was, you know, 2015 in, in her story time bleach and tone era. And everyone, like, <laughs> she was so beautiful. Like, and it's almost like back then, people weren't as surged up. You kind of had to do your weird cut crease and use your moldy beauty blender. Gretchen she was like the shit out of your face. Exactly mm-hmm. but then she just got like, a bunch of surgeries so like it's not a bunch but like you know she got a lot simpler. No her, her face is stopped. like hella
2: surged. Yeah, yeah it it so
0: is. it's kind of like that's a huge difference is that plastic surgery is so much more normalized now. Mm-hmm. The back then people really were chopping and screwing their faces just using products. Yeah, yeah I think true.
2: you could see like the retaining I don't know there's something about like someone's face where it's like very obviously contoured, but you can still see like the soft infrastructure of it. That I think is oh, really beautiful. Yeah. And now people are trying to like make that infrastructure real with like fillers and stuff and it doesn't look very good. But also mm-hmm. what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, I really like your point, Biz about um the camera quality really being a thing, because now I think about makeup content or like beauty content on TikTok and it's like these macro shots that are super zoomed in, shots of people blending their pores into oblivion in like silence. And it's, like, I miss being, like, at a distance from people and just thinking, like, oh, it's like I'm sitting across from someone watching them do their makeup. But now it's, like, I am, like, wait, do I need to zoom in on my face that much and, like, have truly no pores? Mm-hmm. There's this more holistic feel to it. But also clickbait makeup is, like, alive and well. Do You guys know that girl, Meredith Duxbury, who, like, Wait,
0: we should talk about that. We should yeah. talk about The Jones Road, Bobby Brown. Have you seen that, Alexi?
2: Yes, it's What's kind of she... boring, it makes me miss like old makeup drama, it's just like... Wait,
0: well, no, we actually should talk about this. I'll just give a brief summary of it. Uh, I'm... So basically, Bobbi Brown of Bobby Brown Cosmetics just opened her own beauty label called Jones Road. And Bobby Brown's always kind of been a bit, a bit of a like more natural aiming makeup artist. And so she created this foundation that she sent to a bunch of influencers... One of them is this girl named Meredith. Do you know her at Alexi or like what her full name is? I think it's just Meredith Duxbury. Meredith Duxbury. And she's She's known for doing... She's so pretty. doing full face beats using the amount of foundation you would never imagine someone Mm -hmm. would use so much. It
2: always ends up really good. which It gives me like old Instagram vibes where people would like do these clickbait thumbnails where they're like blending their foundation with a shoe or something. The
0: person next to my house, like I think they just like fell off something because like... (laughs) What? Oh my god, I heard like a massive what? Thing. No, no, Me? they're okay. It's like, okay. It's just like through the wall. I heard someone like falling over. But oh okay. my, yeah, I heard the thud. Yeah, the thud, the thud. But yeah, so basically, this is kind of a zeitgeist shift, in my opinion, because beauty influencers have had a really, really big hold on how products are perceived by the public for since this time period. A damning review from a, a beauty guru is not good for the, the product mm-hmm. or the brand. But basically, Meredith made a video of her putting on a ton of this new Jones Road by Bobby Brown Foundation and to give it a really, really bad review. In the video, the product on her skin looked awful. But then Bobby Brown basically clapped back and made like a parody video of her on the Jones Road beauty account shading this influencer, Meredith.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, And the people were saying, like, good for you. Like, influencer, beauty influencers have like too much power. Like, let's take our power back. people there's a shift for sure
2: yeah it kind of seemed like a like a physical representation of like the old versus new guard yes. because Bobby Brown's like a very like old makeup artist she was like OG matte counter vibes but like with her own brand you know and she's like a professional mua or whatever but Meredith has like this full coverage like glam beat the house down like using a ton of products kind of thing um and Bobby Brown is like it's supposed to be it's supposed to be natural but like honestly It's, like, a $42 foundation, like, that you use to, like, make your skin look so, like, slightly better that I'm, like, not buying it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Bobby Brown's ethos seems pretty tied into the whole, like, oh, wellness will equal outer beauty thing, I think.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I think this might be a positive, I mean, this would be a positive development because it really is, like, um... Like this like beauty wave really I think it, it, it its positive effects I think is that it was like reviving the dying American mall, right? Where like Sephora became almost like a public utility. Oh, and man, like yes. like you had to really like go like the going to the mall really did not involve buying clothes anywhere. I meant going to Lush, I meant going uh-huh. to Sephora to Ulta. Like you w- really were just going to buy beauty products and test them out, you know? Have we talked and, about like how
2: much we love Ulta.
1: Uh no, we haven't, but I do love Ulta. Yes. I'm on the rewards program. Um Same. But it is like super weird because like it. I remember before this era. I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only one that did this, but I would literally just like go to Walgreens and get like a Neutrogena foundation and like smother it on with my bare hands, right? And like after this era, I have like four to nine brushes. I have brush cleaner. I have a beauty blender. I have primer. I have bronzer, highlighter, concealer, like eyeshadow palette, setting powder. Like it's just the level of products that this era pushed is inconceivable. Like yeah. the the way that they really like created something out of nothing is like insane. And, and like, they really
2: created such, like, demand. I feel like every week mm-hmm. there was some kind of, like, new product that was, like, an essential part of your, like, 20-step makeup routine. Which yeah, I feel like now that's pivoted to skincare, skincare, which feels so much more, mm-hmm. like, you feel a lot more guilt if you're, like, not doing things right, because it seems, like, so associated with health and wellness, but... Yeah, mm-hmm. and now
0: people are we are skipping back past 2016 and going back to, like late 2000s grimy like not washing your face thing i want to say that i really like people that work at sephora and at makeup stores i remember when i was going through time when i had really bad acne just like having someone there to actually look at my skin and give me a recommendation for a product and kind of test it to my face i literally i felt like a baby bird being nurtured (laughs) because (laughs) i mean beauty is really intimidating i think like the amount of products that exist Mm -hmm. and so having someone that is allegedly an expert really can be a a comforting nice experience yeah and it really works there as like an aspiring
2: influencer which i really liked
1: no that is true and they all are very like extremely uh charismatic gay men who are like super comforting like mom vibes
2: yeah Um, I also think, wait, we haven't talked about Kylie Lipkits in depth, but this is pivotal. Kylie mm Lipkits launched on November 30th, 2015, but also Jeffree Star Cosmetics launched almost exactly a year earlier with his inaugural collection of three liquid lipsticks. Mm -hmm. So one could say he kind of paved the way, but either way, this Kylie Cosmetics started the wave of influencers or celebrities starting beauty lines with the promise of getting their look. Which is like something that I ab- absolutely hate so much because first of all, like other people have been doing their makeup for them most of the time. Mm-hmm. Second of all, like their look was obviously created with products that existed before they like, created this product. You know, yeah. I feel like the beauty industry is very impervious to critical thought about like overproduction, but now it's so weird. It's spiraled out of control, and Scarlett Johansson, like Jennifer Lopez, have their own beauty brands, and it's like you guys oh, are yeah. celebrities and actors that have been getting your makeup done. Weirdly, I trust Jeffrey Star more because he's tried out so much makeup and he like mm-hmm. is a makeup artist. Like I get yeah.
0: it. The Scarlett Johansson thing really I find disturbing because Scarlett Johansson is one of those women that's always going to be on the list of like top ten most beautiful women. Yeah, but, but it's then, not because yeah. of her makeup. Like, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. She's, she's not. She's like and She's like the anti Kim Kardashian. Like everyone yeah. knows Scarlett Johansson has always been like the the thinking man's. Not really, but like she always wants to be like the other girls. Like she's always. Been like yeah, not like she, the other girls. You're yeah. right
1: that she's like the thinking man's bimbo almost. It's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's very it's like waifu. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, no just like, it is like it's interesting because it is. Ooh, I lost my point at my train. Of, oh well, no. I mean, I, it is like um, that like Kylie Lip Kits really like made that like cut copy paste delete digital what beauty standard. Like, what was it like to wear a liquid
0: lipstick? I've never done it. But Are you it kidding? Oh I had somebody oh from God,
2: Anastasia see. Beverly Hills. Yeah, and it what was just like feel like
0: very very dry, dry like if you moisturized
2: yeah. before it would really mm-hmm. stay on but like if you were eating something like it would oh, erode crap. in the middle of your lips and then you would get this like butthole lip yes. effect oh
1: my god that is so that is so true and but I, it was supposed
2: I, to eliminate the need for like lip liner i think but now i just love yeah. like just using a normal like mac lipstick like i'm obsessed with because it's mm-hmm. like you just put it on and like you had to with liquid lipstick, it was so opaque that you really had to like use some serious precision.
1: No, yeah, and then like even if you wiped it off, it was like you really had to wipe it off with like industrial strength makeup remover. Like it was not <laughs> gonna come off, even if you washed your face, even if you used like micellar, micellar water, whatever you. Yeah, you had to use like
2: that. an oil cleanser. Exactly, much. and right. then it would get like, like all over your face, and I would feel like the Joker, like literally yes, looking at like yeah. my giant red mouth.
1: No, also, it there was, was something like, about the
2: shades at this time that was so I was weird. Say. Like, everything Blue. was so nude. Like no, no, the actually, original Kylie lip to her, that dark brown nude. We yeah. need to talk about her,
0: like the chinchilla color. This, that is 2016. Is that like it's the grayish? Yes.
2: Like, yeah, Purple. people had no understanding of undertones. Like girls would Oof. wear like the modern Renaissance, like red smoky eye with like a grayish nude brown lipstick.
1: That is so crazy. No, it was like it was seriously cool. insane. Giving, it was like like decaying. It's like the
0: different phases of dying because your eye is yeah. red <laughs> and then your lip is like the decayed corpse. It was weirdly
2: really grunge. Like this time was kind of so like grunge. mass grunge like the shirts from February 21 that had like a rose on it or something. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. we actually
0: need to we need to start talking about fashion just to yes. keep yeah. our timeline. So let's actually say okay, so it was so yeah, it was really grunge. I mean, even choker's were the biggest yes. accessory of 2016. Chokers. I and I DIYing a up. giant band
2: tee to have like it's like the yeah. band tee and the thigh high boots. oh yeah and
1: then like a flannel tied around her waist if I saw a
0: girl walking down the street wearing that today I would literally like be in awe of her and I would want to do anything she told me to do no me too that look is actually sexy it's actually sexy I love that look I get why girls were wearing
2: that to frat parties it just seems really comfortable but also Mm -hmm. like it's an old Ariana look, you know, where you're just like wearing something really comfy, but then like there's the implication cool. of being sexy and feminine. Why wearing heels?
0: This is yeah. around the time that Ariana invented that look. Yeah. Of no, the it's Giant, true. oversized hoodie with thigh high boots. She was, she really beat her face as well. But then mm-hmm. she also had the slicked back bang, like. And the baby hairs and stuff. Baby hairs. The baby hairs. Oh, God.
1: No, and then also like that. Um, that, like iconic like meme outfit of just like the orange camo pants and like a thrasher t-shirt was like really <laughs> popping off at this time Yeah. um That's everyone yeah for. it was very yeah it was very mallcore in this like very weird way it was like mallcore but also was fashion like nova like core, zoomies yes, Zo-
2: like yes. hypebeasty a little bit oh yeah. yeah we
0: actually cannot talk about this era of fashion it was like hype beast, hype beastess. Because everything (laughs) was coming, Kite Bay, I think everything was coming downwind from two people, in my opinion, Kanye and Dimna. Uh, Yeah. Because it was kind of like this weird period when we had kind of a 90s thing happening with chokers and like the Mm -hmm. grunge t-shirts, but then there was always this... Things were graphic for sure. Things were graphic. Yeah. The life of Pablo
2: T-shirts. Yes, like the gothic font on everything. Yeah, and then it was like
1: very. Oh, this is the time when Kanye had like Confederate flags on his like Jesus what? stuff. Was, Wait, yeah, Do you, know you remember when? Whenever... Reminds
2: me of. I want to talk about the like cultural appropriation cloud demons of this time. Like that was the major thing. Like Six Nine, Bad Baby, oh Lil Tay, Lil Baby. There were those videos or the pictures of Six Nine, and he's wearing like some kind of jersey that has Six Nine in like athletic letters, and it says fag or something on it he would like always wear these giant jerseys that had like slurs and six yeah
1: no that was like a huge yeah that was like the emergence of the sort of chaotic zoomer culture that was like at Mm. the time kind of like a spectacle that no one really thought was going to catch on as like a real trend but i think it was really like bad baby dropped um gucci flip-flops and everyone was like whoa this song is actually super good what the hell and like this genre of music that was like emerging from it genuinely was very good even though the marketing for it and the lifestyle behind it was extremely chaotic and concerning for people who were not involved in it um yeah, but they, yeah no that was very like, like the tide pods of music <laughs> yeah and it's like it's like it's clickbait culture like infecting music right because it's like yeah everybody like outrage like, marketing exactly yeah like it was very like youtube-esque almost because bad baby of course just like got famous from that like right. Do do you guys think
0: that the Island Boys are like a revival of this (gasps) exactly? I love them, but they're so
2: unproblematic. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I guess I think we're kind of exhausted on like cultural appropriation discourse. But during this time, I feel like there was a sense of homegrown cultural appropriation. It wasn't about, you know, Native American headdresses and bindis. It was about everyone wanting African American and like Latina vibes. So Mm -hmm. it seemed like America was feeling really like inward facing and like infighting about The mass adoption of AAVE, everyone having edges, and like Kim K had her like braids. There was a Mm -hmm. lot of like over bronzing and tanning, the thick brows and big lips. And it's like in conjunction, there were people that were definitely doing like a black fishing thing. Mm -hmm. But you know, I think everyone was participating in this in like a different way. And like the urbanness is definitely real because I remember there was a logo mania for. A lot of these casual sportswear brands like Fila, Kappa, and Champion yes. that were mm-hmm. originally like <clears throat> associated with low-income people, like it's so weird. The Champion was like the Walmart brand, but then it became like really expensive. Well, well I think
1: I a may, lot of that was like, if
0: I, if I may, I I think most of that comes from Vetmont because yeah, yeah. Vetmont really, really introduced this idea of taking logos that people think of as like quote-unquote low end as you said in making them fashionable and giving them a new cultural capital um for example I remember wearing hand-me-down Everlast hoodie from Kmart like That's with like... no pants all the time just to go about town to go to concerts and stuff because it looks like a vet mom hoodie like that was mm-hmm. why I was wearing it
1: well I think something about this is the reason why this all kind of started emerging in sort of like a cultural cringe way is, is like, I think that the globalist vibes were kind of lost in translation for some people. And they just like saw some of the globalist vibes and like refashioned them into being more like black American or like Latino American cultural objects and stuff. It was really like cultural net of this time. Like it really is like people were, it, it did become like inward facing, but it was like sort of this like globalist thing that was sort of lost in translation for some people, I think, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess what
0: we're describing is really the Instagram baddie.
1: Yeah. No, and that was, like, 2017 bad and bougie dropped. And, like, that really, I think, translating a lot of what was in the culture, which was just, like, every girl had to be very bougie. And, like, bougie meant, like, getting your nails done and, like, getting your eyelashes done, your brows done. But it was
0: so weird, though, because, like, it was also about wearing... Uh, Instagram baddie would also wear the Thrasher crop tee with fishnets under ripped jeans. But yeah. they have like the hair, the nails, the makeup. So there was this like desirable contrast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like a fully beat face, but a like relatively casual outfit. Yeah, Yeah, well, it's because
1: you you have to, like, you have to kind of contrast that face with something extremely casual, because if you wear something really fancy with, like, a fully beat face, you look like you're about to go to a wedding or, like, this big event, you know?
2: This is, like, the essence of being extra, you know? That was also a phrase that was in, oh my god, an on fleek. Do you guys remember that? On On fleek. fleek. That really... And also, even the phrase baddie. Have we mentioned that this time was literally just the smiling devil emoji? Everyone Mm -hmm. was so bad, but they were good.
0: Yeah, I just think it was it was Netflix and chill, which is that emoji, but it was also yeah. the eggplant emoji, and it was also the peach emoji. Peach emoji, so, yeah. Why was there there was this like insane horniness? That was because we were all the music was so horny. horny. We were all all new to Snapchat. We were all new to Tinder. So these like digital means of flirting were so exciting. Mm -hmm. But now it's just like it's everyone's so tired of it and it's really ruined our lives. No, this summer, (laughs)
2: like guys revive it, like start Snapchatting people. We should start Snapchatting. Ask people for their
0: snap. Yeah. 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 We should be adult
1: snapchat Mm -hmm. snapchatters. Adult Snapchat users. We should revive kick which is like no <laughs> no we're I, not that is river actually for like you to be on the watch list yeah. no that's yeah, that, yeah. That's
2: I don't know why they haven't
1: removed that app yet but <laughs> no I think that is just it's the that what Björn Joel Han said the ethos of Snapchat being like only the moment counts it's like very impulsive I'm crazy oh, like today I'm gonna like yeah like very yeah and then it was also just like the club the Ibiza club vibes were like insane Hennessy became like a huge meme at this time too oh my god that just
2: inspired me to drink so much Hennessy this summer Oh my gosh. Ooh, I'm watching one dance in my head, and I'm just so happy, and it's, like, nice outside, and, yeah. Summer vibes.
1: No, that's what, that's what, I think everyone is, like, because this is, I think, I I said this last summer, but this is, like, the first (laughs) normal summer, I think, because the pandemic is over or whatever. Last
2: summer was the rehearsal round, I think, this time. We're, like, not actually that scared.
1: No, no one's scared, and I don't think anything, it doesn't seem... Uh, knock on wood, and it doesn't seem like anything bad's going to happen. That's yeah, going to like really disrupt America. <laughs> yeah, Biden. I mean, inflation—that is. Oh yeah, like, we're really definitely killing. going
2: into recession.
1: Yeah, that's killing the vibe majorly, and um maybe Biden oh, will wait. conspire to kill nice. another good vibe summer. have huh? to be baddie on a budget this summer. Baddie sure. on a budget, yeah.
0: I think that also Virgil dying has made people like have this posthumous appreciation of off-white. In mm-hmm. his work, but Off White was kind of the de facto cool brand during this time. Um, yeah. yeah, there's a big T with the Off White belt belt over it. Mm-hmm. How do we even describe that belt? It's supposed to look like hazard tape, right? Caution tape. Yeah. Yes. And then it has like a safety buckle that is how it's closed. Yeah, it's so industrial. There's some. We'll add some pictures of James Charles wearing it. But yes. oh, his style is
2: seriously next level
0: i would say this was the first time fashion was getting a real dose of irony in the mainstream like that's mm-hmm. very Vetmod, mod that's very off-white they were they were kind of operating on similar like conceptual theoretical planes yeah
2: but it kind of seems like the people that were spending money on this stuff like weren't really in on the joke mm-hmm. like i think a lot of there was like a lot of conspicuous consumption of brands like Louis Vuitton and Gucci, but in the least fashion way possible. They were essentially diffusion lines of like designer t-shirts, hoodies, sneakers, and tracksuits. Like mm-hmm. Jeffree Star, his image was he was always in like a Gucci tracksuit and like every influencer started wearing stuff like that. Yeah,
1: I mean that was like the Yeezy, the first season of Yeezy, right? It was literally just like like um athleisure nude like hoodies, just like yeah. nude no nude
0: athleisure, yeah. pause we we're all wrong actually i think that Yeezy season one i put a link in the document at the end if you guys want to look at it yeah it's weirdly how everyone dresses right now besides yeah. the bomber jacket because bomber jackets are really 2015 but like the, oh God, the hosiery and as well as like the tattered sweaters oh, yeah. is actually mm-hmm. very very ahead of its time but, but it was yeah, so it really ahead was. of its time that it was like Ugly at the time, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, um, I didn't like it. I was I like, like really disappointed, but now that I'm looking at it right now, it's like beautiful. Um, I agree. but it was, it was athleisure, and I do think that a lot of people like misinterpretations of the vibe of Yeezy season one did lead to like the style of this era, you know, and also just like the way that Kanye styled Kim at this time mm-hmm. was very like. Oh sorry. No, you go ahead. I was gonna say, do y'all feel like there's like
2: a massive gap between Yeezys the shoes yes. and like the Yeezy like outfits? Yes. Yeah. Like, why are the Yeezy yes. shoes so hideously ugly? Like I'm looking at like yeah. you know the old like Yeezy boost with that weird like Heather Grey colour. Well,
0: what I'm gonna guess is that this collection was it was produced in collaboration with Adidas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm guessing Adidas really wanted him to put out something that was incredibly profitable and like marketable and that is the easy shoe for sure.
1: And also, um, whenever you do like an, ex- if you want to like make a statement piece shoe, like you just have like extremely simplistic out, like you, you just have like a very simple, like neutral outfit, right? So that like overemphasizes this, like statement piece shoe. Yeah, I guess that's so true. True. I think um, the Balenciaga
2: Super S shoes. I really like that era. We should get some. Also, we have eight
0: minutes left. Okay, do you want to do Would You Rather? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, um would you Alexi I feel like you have one on mind.
2: I literally don't. I'm like looking at okay. them really Wait, i can't
0: think get tide pods. Okay, would you rather eat a tide pod or be chased by the the 2016 clowns? Um
1: <gasps> Oh my god. Definitely the you- clowns. Okay. <laughs> yeah, of um, Wait, I have I have one. Well, I have the beginning of one but it has to be a crime. What, what, what 2016 crime? Like, okay, well, would you rather um, be sentenced to 100 years of daily slime creation with Jacob Sartorius or um, 100 years of 100 layers of makeup challenge? Oh my, oh my god! god.
0: <laughs> <I would> definitely
1: <laughs> rather hang out with Jacob Sartorius every sense. day for yeah. 100 years. Yeah, that doesn't yeah, like actually why fun. Why would you be alive for
0: that long? We like, we I could, could literally grow old together. together.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, and I could wear his
0: sweatshirt. That's like what his song is, right? Probably. I. I, would, I oh, I oh, I had one on mine. Oh, would you guys rather have to wear the lip kit lipsticks every day? Or have to do, like, on fleek eyebrows. Like, full Anastasia brow, like, pomade. Um, but um, the lip kit, lipstick looks like how Alexi described it. No. As, and, like, there's, like, a butthole shape. At I
2: this. was going to say, I started using mine again, but, like, blending it out a little bit. And it's good. Yeah. Like, it gives the soft pigment if you're, like, not, like slathering your lips with it. But... Yeah, I've been
1: doing the exact
2: same thing. Oh god, I think I'd have to go on fleek. Do you guys remember <laughs> the wavy brows too? That was another Tide Pod-esque oh, yeah. challenge where people were like, WTF is this world coming too, but it was like, I don't know, media literacy at this time was like really bad, but it was like also not that deep, you know? Mm-hmm. It was like misinformation campaigns about like wavy eyebrows being No, real. yeah. yeah. Um,
1: I would also do the, umbra- the, the, the on fleek brows because I have long bangs that cover my brows, so no yeah. one would see I think it looks it? kind
2: of weirdly beautiful when people have like the ombre on fleek brows but like a bare face otherwise
1: oh yeah, yeah. no I... I love the the look of like a girl that has lash extensions and on fleek yes. brows but no makeup at all I actually think Damn. that's like, a really pretty that's look boring. and they have like fillers in their lips but like no makeup at all and they're like oh my god it looks so busted and like girl you were you glowing and they look better without makeup than they do with it and their hair's um, in a messy bun, and they're wearing some kind of like
2: influencer merch, like matching tracksuit. Yeah. Exactly. Um, would you rather run through the six with your woes?
0: Oh, good God!
2: Or <laughs> take a dance hall twerking class from a girl in Poland?
0: I would definitely uh, rather run through the six with my woes. Definitely, I think I'd be better at that than yeah. twerking with a Polish woman.
1: Yeah, I you know this is kind of a hard one for me because both of those things sound really unique and interesting, but I've never been to Toronto, so I'd I I I like to, to visit. So bad. Wait, I want to go to Toronto so bad too
0: because also it has <laughs> this like really specific like luxury. Like Toronto luxury is so specific and like monochrome, and I'm just Ooh. dying to get out there.
2: Yeah, I have like a lot of because I'm from Trinidad. Like some of my like childhood friends when we moved to the States, like, they moved to Toronto, and they just seem so much better than me. Like, I don't know, people <laughs> there are actually, like, kind of cool. Yeah. And also,
1: Canadians... every time I see, like, a really
2: bad bitch online who's, like, really funny on Twitter and just, like, has huge boobs and, like, is really pretty, like, of course, I look at her location she's in Toronto.
1: Yep. No, it's true. Canadian people are always, like, a little bit more chic. Because it's, like, well, even – I've heard this a lot of times, but – people say that, like, Canada is more akin to, like, Europe than it is to America. And America is more akin to, like, Latin America in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and I think that's qu- kind of true, honestly. I feel like, like London culturally... and
2: Toronto have the same vibes because, like, the same demographics of people move there. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
2: Like, they both have I mean, they're both, in
0: the, they're both in, like, the Commonwealth. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Which, don't ask me what that is, but I just know Canadians <laughs> can move here pretty easily. Um, mm-hmm. yeah anyway, so, yeah. Uh, okay, next question. Hmm. Okay, this is good. This is good. Would you rather um, have the James oh Charles white flashback moment, <gasps> or someone help me out here? What's a what's a
2: comparable? Have to com- make a YouTuber apology where you're like crying with them. Oh,
0: <laughs> I just feel like the white flashback was so good, and I I would I think I liked it. I mean, it was giving. It's giving like Elizabethan. It's giving powdered.
1: Yeah. Oh. It's giving that, like powdered with lead powder. What is what is that like um like Japanese performance art thing? Oh um, like
0: kabuki. Uh,
2: <laughs> no, there no, it no, it's like the no, no masks.
1: Yeah, no, it's like a it's like a. like a kind of like eighties thing almost. But it I is like it, similar mm. to kabuki. I um,
2: think it's no theater, it's like NOH, N- right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Hold on, wait, let me Google it.
2: He looks beautiful in that picture. Someone took a picture of me recently with Flash, and my face was doing the same thing, and I think it looked really good, and I really want to post it.
0: Wait, no, I feel the same way. I love when my face and my neck don't match. Yeah. No, me too. I'm like, wow, this is truly a mask of beauty that I've uh, come come across.
1: Yeah. I agree. Um, am so, still going to find all? this, like, Japanese. Jeff- yeah. White face. White face. We all want to do white face. We all wanna do Flashback white
2: Mary face. was so funny. He really took that in stride and like made it like he, such a vibe. He did
0: like a tutorial for it. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And it was so funny because it was basically like people trying to clown him for being bad at makeup in real life. Because I feel like he's the generation that like learned how to do makeup in his room. Like he was the mm-hmm. cover boy, etc. Whereas like his contemporaries were all like former Mac employees that were like in their thirties. So mm-hmm. whenever people caught him off guard, like looking busted in public, it was like, Okay, we don't trust like the younger guard
1: yeah um uh, let me think
2: guys we cannot he's emphasize enough how much this is a
0: pro james charles podcast
1: huge yeah. pro james charles we love yeah. james charles he we can't wait till he, he comes on he's always
0: apart. putting the nymphette alumni and nymphette alumni <laughs> yeah. exactly
1: no he he really is like on the same vibe as us and no, i really that
0: was a joke because like he loves little like young men
1: oh that's right I forgot that's like why everyone's like he is a child molester like all the time I see that all the time and I'm like Mm. is he like 19 years old (laughs) well
2: I hope you're all happy because now he's forever alone because he doesn't want to talk to anyone online because people are always lying about their age and trying to like wait Alexi you know who's
0: you know who's been talking to him we'll edit this out yeah. Yes, I
2: know. <gasps> yeah. Like and James Charles had, like, has like sent him voice memos and stuff. That's, oh my god. I actually think
0: James Charles has like a he's
2: he's broken. Like he's so broken. Yeah, like yeah.
0: yeah.
2: He posted something today where he said um funny how you can have all the followers in the world and still be so lonely. Yeah. <sighs> Flashback so it's my little meow meow.
0: Meow meow. Okay, let's do like one or two more questions.
1: Okay. Um I want to do something with damn Daniel. <laughs> um, and Alex, oh, from and Wait, Alex from Target. And Alex from Target. Yeah. Okay. Would you rather? Uh, ooh, no, I thought of something really like inappropriate. I shouldn't say, but. <laughs> it could be like <laughs> go on a date. A...
0: Wait, I don't yeah. know who Damn Daniel is. Mm-hmm. I have to look this up really quickly. Like,
1: Damn Daniel. I Back at it again bit. with the white vans White bands. Yeah. But I feel like
0: I'm mixing up Alex from Target and Damn Daniel in my head. So let me just look it up. Because they they look, the like they look the would same. You, yeah.
1: Would you rather Damn Daniel be your manager, your straight uh, male Manager at the Mac counter when you were a makeup artist, <laughs> or um, Alex male. from Target manager, yeah, okay, yeah, or Alex from Target be your uh straight male manager at Ulta where you're working at the Anastasia Beverly oh, Hills okay. counter.
0: I feel like. I feel like um, Daniel doesn't have any management experience that we know of, <laughs> so I kind of feel like he'd be a good manager because he would not really like be laying down the law. Versus yeah. Alex from Target has been in the ranks of Target since yeah. um, his early adolescence. Yeah, yeah he's a retail. He's that shit like the navy. He yeah, really exactly. is. She's so doing I'm going to I'm going to go with. I'm gonna go with um, yeah, I'm going to go with Daniel. Yeah. Thank okay. you for the question.
1: You're welcome.
2: Yeah, I would say that, honestly, I would like to work at Ulta more than
0: Sephora, so I'll go with Alex, yeah.
1: (gasps) Alex from Target?
0: Yeah. Okay, last question of the pod. Let me see if it's ending in the document as per usual. Hmm. Oh, it should be about music. It should definitely be about music, right? Yeah, yeah. Strength and guidance.
1: Mm. All the Oh sorry, I'm gonna that's definitely getting bleeped out. I thought it sounded good. Soon as you get the text reply. Okay, how
0: about how about just what is your favorite what is the anthem of this era
1: to you? Oh man, one dance probably. One dance is probably my but favorite. But your
0: personal song? anthem, like it doesn't have to be like the cultural anthem like what's your favorite song from this from this apocalypse?
1: Oh, oh. you know what? I've been listening to Walk ooh ooh, ooh <gasps> a lot. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't remember. Wait, it's definitely We definitely go. It's like blah 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 blah. blah, 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 I I don't know. Like I'm
2: just like like, ooh yeah, that one's really good. Yeah, I don't know
1: what
2: the lyrics are saying, but it's really good. I have a playlist that's like all my favorite songs from this era. You'll have to give me a second. Oh my god. No, I made a YouTube playlist for
1: this. So
0: oh good, (gasps) we did that. We did that for. Was it, which one would we do that for? I made Zandemic. that like
1: crazy, crazy playlist. Yeah, this is I hope, so, I
0: hope someone listens to that because they put a lot of hours into that. Somehow. No, there are yeah. seven,
1: seven listens. Seven listens. Shout out to the seven listens. There's seven, seven listen
0: listens? <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> okay, wait. I think it's
1: called,
2: it's called Light Skin Music. <laughs> I made light Skin so Music. Um, oh my God. Two On by Tinashe I love. Okay. But I also really love um, Cheerleader.
1: Ooh! Uh, I did put that on the playlist.
2: Yeah, I feel like songs at this time had this addictive quality where it had like two, like I don't know, like three to seven notes. Like everything started out with like a little mm-hmm. ditty and that little little trumpet like, D-d-d-d. but also yep. oh, trap queen. Trap, trap queen.
0: Favorite, yeah, so. I feel like trap that- queen was
1: on the earliest side of this. Yeah, it kicked. No, yeah. it kicked off the, the. I I think that that kicked off like what. The Snapchat was another reason why I'm dating it 2015 because it was one of the top songs of 2015 and I think the top song of like 2014 was Fancy which is definitely yeah, a
2: different and it the,
1: like, yeah. yeah. And has the like to it. Yeah. And
2: closer Chain Smokers was like the really, good. Oh, really yeah. basic side of it but it also had the like Wait.
0: Also that, I feel that, like that uh, Alexi that... Alexi you liking, cheerleader makes sense because the singer is Jamaican so it has like yeah an he island has, he doesn't even really have a jamaican voice though he has the weirdest accent i know but i just feel like that makes sense for you like yeah no it like, totally does it's just He's,
1: he has like a cutie little like i don't know his he has like a smiling like gesture voice i feel
2: like now. a minion is singing it
1: yeah yeah i like also a, it's like okay oh
0: minions yes they also oh, were of this era yeah. and yeah. they were so
1: cute She said that with such emphasis i know I'm gonna Alexi,
0: run through
2: think, the six with a minion
0: i know because oh. alexi's little brother had a, a minion birthday yes. and, like somehow it like even though I wasn't, it, like, I wasn't actually <laughs> invited to it like i wasn't actually invited to it but i was like theoretically invited and yeah. somehow that like opened up a portal in my brain to like loving thinking minions are so cute yeah, yeah that's minions. all um okay drake is so... kind of like a minion as well yeah
1: and his woes are his minions, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think I would my I feel like my favorite I I love the song Unforgettable by French Montana. It's, so good. it's mm-hmm. so good. I feel like all the music in this time period is so 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 good that it's hard to pick. I know that Mask Off is kind of later on a bit. Like I think it came out in 2017. Really good though, as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
1: then yeah, I think those are probably my two favorites. Yeah. But... No, I do kind of want to mention like this weird pop music singer voice that um, emerged because of like Dua Lipa's new rules, like you know, like mm. Tovlo voice yeah. and stuff, like that, like pop music singer. You know, like remember like indie girl voice was like a meme for a while. The web.
2: song "Lean On" by Mo, I thought was really a hit, and it also had that multicultural flair to it.
1: Okay, yeah, yes.
2: But if I had to, if I had to lip sync one song on Snapchat. Ooh, that's hard. That's like I would a different do Controller by
0: Drake. Okay. For sure. Yeah. Definitely. Um. All right. Well, that's all the time we have today. Yeah, guys, add us on the snap. Addison yeah, snap. Add snap. Yeah, add us on snap. It's um, literally on fleek. <laughs> it's on fleek. Please share your location with us so we can visit your houses. Yeah. And we will give you hot Cheetos. Oh
1: my God. Mm. Yeah. Love okay. You Bye, everyone. Love you. Bye. Bye.